0: Pray together, Father God. We need to know that and to believe that. Help us today to to understand how great You are. We have an enemy who is deceiving us into thinking that the problems of our life, the problems of our nation, the problems of this world are greater than You, and so we feel anxious and afraid. for God, because of Your greatness and because of Your mercy and love that You revealed through Your Son Jesus and according to Your Holy Word. We, we, we have no reason to fear or to be anxious because you are a great and mighty God. You are greater than all things. So would you today allow us to see your greatness, to understand it, to believe it, focus on it, and then live in light of it. We ask this in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, today we are finishing up this series on on mapping out our motivation. And what motivates you is very important. You need to be thinking about what it is that is motivating your life, because whatever motivates you will determine not only what you do, but how you pursue it. And focus is a crucial part of your motivation. Whatever it is you want to motivate you, you've got to discipline your mind to remain focused on that thing. Because whatever it is you think about, that's going to govern your emotions. So whatever it is you're focused on, whatever you're thoughts dwell upon whatever it is you think too often that's going to press down in your heart and you're going to feel according to the way you think and then the way you think and the way you feel ultimately will determine what you do So you've got to be very wise about what you allow yourself to think, what it is you seek information sources from, what it is that is driving your motivation that you're focused on, because it'll drive the way you feel. And then the way you think and the way you feel will ultimately determine what it is you do. And so it's not enough just to to deal with uh, behavioral modification practices, although there is certainly a place for discipline in our lives. What we really need to do is we need to step back and see what it is we're focused on, what it is we're living for, and why. Make sure it's the right thing, because when it is, when it's the right thing, life falls into place, and that's what we want to talk about today. you got to understand the, the place of focus in the midst of it. There's a commercial out right now that absolutely cracks me up. It's, a, it's, a, it's of a young man who's, who's struggling to focus. He's, he's learning to drive, and so the whole commercial is about how he's not able to focus in on what he needs to do. Like, in the first scene, the car's already running, but he starts the car again. You know, that screeching noise that it makes, and his dad gives him that, you know, that angry look. And then, you know, in the next scene, he's pulling out, and he's not paying attention, and he takes out the entire front fence to the front yard, just demolishes the whole thing, and his dad gives him, you know, that crazy look in there. And then, in the last scene, he's walking home, and it's the night, and he's carrying his muffler, right? <laughs> and it's this picture. He gets the door, and dad. Open the door, and there's a kid holding the thing, and the dad gives him the evil eye. And it's obviously the boy is struggling to focus, and and that's what happens when you when you lose focus is you is you tend to run into things, you tend to, to wreck. You know, when it comes to driving, it's not enough that you know how to use the steering wheel and the accelerator and the brakes, and you know what you know the D and the and the N and the R and all all what that means. It's not enough that you be able to operate in in a in a Personal sense and a finite sense, your vehicle. No, no, no. If if you want to avoid a wreck, you've got to be aware of everything else that's going on out there. You've got to be aware of, of all the other cars that are out there. You've got to be aware of a broader picture. So, some of you who are driving right now. You need to pay attention that there's other things going on other than you and that text message that you just received, all right? You've got to do more than just focus on what you're doing. You've got to see what you're doing in the broader sense of reality. And the same is true of life. So often we get bogged down in, in thinking only in terms of what we're doing, and we lose sight of the broader picture of what God is doing We forget that there are other entities, there are other powers that are at work, and we just think it's just about me being able to get my head down and do what I'm supposed to do. It's bigger than that. It's broader than that. It's better than that. God is at work in the world, and we've got to learn to see life from the broader perspective. And we've got to stay focused on this truth. In our text today, we learn what it is we need to be focused on, and and we we learn how it is we we can order our life so that it works well. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me right now to Second Corinthians chapter four, and we're gonna we're gonna finish off this section of scripture. We're gonna be in verse eighteen. Eli Way is gonna come up and read for us. So let's all stand together in honor of God word? See, not the best looking thing you've seen all day. The bow tie is killing me. All right, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and Eli's going to read for us verse 18. Go ahead, Eli. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, see, but on what is since what is seen but what is The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Eli. Let's hear it for Eli. Wasn't that great? If I was that good looking, I could have a TV ministry. I promise you. This scripture, this very brief scripture, very small section, it goes along with the other sections we've been looking at. If you haven't been here, I'm encouraging you to go onto our church app and listen to the two other sermons that go along with this whole section of scripture. What we see in this this little section, this little snippet, is, is how God wants us to look at the world. you got to understand, we all are looking at the world from a particular perspective, we we all have a world view. I had a seminary professor that explained there are four questions that everyone is answering. And the way we answer these questions determines almost everything about our life, our philosophy and the way we choose to live our lives. Here are four questions, all right? Four questions everyone is answering all the time. First question is this, why is there something rather than nothing? We know that there's something. You're sitting on something. You are something. You have something. Right? You're you're moving something when you move your hands. Why is there something rather than nothing? Second question. Why are some things right and other things wrong? There are some things that are right, and there are some things that are wrong. So we know that there's something rather than nothing, Now we're starting to get a little bit more specific. There are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Third question, what things are right and what things are wrong? We are all making those determinations right now. You look at what's going on in our news right now, and you will hear people say, they will make moral statements, this is wrong, or this is right, or this needs to be done in order for things to be right, and there needs to be a way to undo what has been wrong. All kinds of moral statements are being made in in the world in which we live, especially in our country right now, and people are making these statements. But the question still stands, what things are right, and what things are wrong? And the fourth question is this who determines what is right and what is wrong these are crucial questions the way you answer these questions and by the way you are answering these questions whether you you thought it through or not you're, you're answering these questions with every decision with every every word you speak every attitude you possess you're answering these questions and and the way you answer these determine everything about your life so how are you answering these questions by how you feel by what the news outlets tell you? By what uh, a judicial system or an executive branch or, or a legislative branch of a, of a single uh, government is telling you? How do you determine these answers? Well, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you allow these answers to come from the Word of God, from the Bible. See, the answers to these questions become your worldview. It's how you see reality. It's how you see everything. This is the filter that you see everything through. If you're a Christian, you answer these questions according to what the Bible teaches. The Bible is very clear on what the answers to these questions are. What's interesting, if you will look at what the Bible says versus what anyone else says, what any other institution, any other religion, any other philosophy, anything else, what you'll see is that their answers cannot create the world we want to live in. The only means by which we can understand and gain the right answers to these questions is found in the Word of God. And so for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a biblical worldview. We see the world. We answer these questions according to what the Bible says. And there's a couple of things that this worldview demands. So if you're a Christian, this is very important that you understand what your worldview demands of you. Write these down. Two things. A biblical worldview, first of all, demands that we deal with the temporal. We have to deal with it. Temporal things are just part of life. And there are good temporal things, and there are bad temporal things. And we have to learn to deal with the fact that the good temporal things won't last. There are many good things that are temporal, but it's very important that we understand they won't last. And what what'll do, do friends? Listen to me. Th- that protects us. When we can see good temporal things for what they are, and we understand that they are temporal, that protects us. See, the good thing about good temporal things is that they're good. The bad thing about good temporal things is that they are limited. They don't last. And if you are depending upon a good temporal thing to define you, that is to give you your identity, to give you your hope, to give you your purpose, well, you're not going to fare very well. Take me as, as an example, all right? Let's use me as an example. Most of you know me. Uh, if if I allowed a, a, a good temporal thing to become my identity, I'm in trouble. Now, I have I have many roles, I have many titles. I'm pastor. I'm dad. I'm husband. I'm friend, and and all of these are good things. But if if I lose my good title or my good role, I don't lose my identity. Yes, it would make me very sad not to get to serve as the pastor of Living Hope. Yes, it would devastate me. It would be it would be so so overwhelmingly sad for me to lose my wife or my children or to lose a friend. But it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change my identity. See, I get to do these things now, but if they are taken from me, I do not cease to be who I am as a person. Because I am not based upon, my identity is not based upon a good, temporary thing. My identity is based on my relationship to Jesus Christ. I am a blood-bought Child of the King of Heaven. I am filled with His Holy Spirit and I am living for His glory. That is my identity. Now, my roles may change, my titles may change, but that reality will never change. I cannot, if I base my life on a temporary role or identity, I'm in trouble and so are you. Well, what about hope? see, I have many good things to look forward to. I have places that I'm going to be able to go. I'm going to get to be with family and friends. I have opportunities to serve and and, and people to meet. And these are all good things. But if I lose those opportunities, I don't lose my hope. See, my hope is not based on a temporary thing. If I no longer can hope in relationships, opportunities, uh, the strength that I have to go and do things, if I... If I am paralyzed, if I am placed in a position where there is nothing more for me to do than to breathe in and out all day and receive uh, sustenance through my veins, my hope doesn't cease because my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust in a created thing, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. That is my hope. And so, yeah, there's good things out there for me to hope for and to enjoy, but if they become the source of my hope, I'm in trouble because they're temporary and they don't last. Well, what about purpose? I have many good reasons for the things I do. I get to help people. I get to be an encouragement. I get to be a counselor. I get to teach. I get to use my gifts and my abilities. These are all good things, but if I lose these temporary reasons, I don't lose my purpose, so long as my purpose is not wrapped up in a temporary thing. See, my purpose is bigger than what I'm doing right now. My purpose is bigger, actually, than than anything I can do physically. See, my purpose, like any child of God, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I may have no other opportunity but to do that, but... So long as I can do that, I have purpose. So if my purpose or my hope or my identity is wrapped up into a temporary thing, I'm in trouble. And so is the the same truth for you. If your identity, if your purpose, if your hope is in a temporary thing, you're in trouble. You have to deal with the fact that, that things are temporal, even good things. But we also have to be mindful of bad things. And here, friends, listen to me. They don't last either. That's a good thing. And, and this, this will give us perspective. Because see we tend to think that bad things will never end, don't we? We, we, we tend to, to think that things will never get better. And friends, that's just not true. The bad things about bad temporary things is that they're bad. But the good thing about bad temporary things is that they won't last. It won't always be this bad, friends. It won't. There, there is a good day that is coming. We understand from the Bible that, that there's going to be a glorious day when God is going to return and He's going to make all things new. And there's going to be no more sickness and no more death and no more pain and no more hate and no more, no more of the hurt that is just overwhelming our culture right now. I know I, I read this to you all the time, but I just love it. Especially in this year, when we're talking about what's next, when we're focused on our, our, our eternity and we're thinking about what God is going to do with this world. It's so important that we keep this in mind and we keep focused on this reality. This is Revelation 21. Here's here's what's happening. Here's what's next. Here's what we know is going to be true forever and always. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth that passed away and the sea was no more. The word That sea, it's, it's symbolic of chaos. No more chaos. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is us. This is God's people. This is the church. And he and I heard a voice from the Saying, "Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be uh, be with them as their God." Look what He's going to do. He's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be no, uh, there shall be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Friends, this world, as bad as it is, is not our home. Amen. It's going to pass away. It's temporary. The good things are going to pass away. The bad things are going to pass away. For those of us who have a biblical worldview, the first thing that we've got to understand is that we have to deal with temporal things, but look what we get to do. We get to delight, to delight in the eternal. We have to deal with the temporal and delight in eternal. The eternal. Now, how we learn to do that, we, we see in Colossians chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, in the hope that you do, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, while you're turning, I'm going to read it, and we're going to take it apart. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. These are steps to how we delight in the eternal. The first thing is this. We've got to be raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. Look what it says in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means you believe in Christ. It means that you believe that He is God, made manifest in flesh, that He lived a holy life, that He died for your sin, that He's been raised and He's coming again. You believe in Christ and you're baptized. You make public profession the same way Gideon just did at the beginning of the service. You're in in essence stating, you know what, my old life is gone. I've been buried. That is, I've died to my old life. I've been washed pure by Jesus Christ. And I've been raised to walk in a new life. We believe, we're baptized, and then we belong. We belong to the eternal family of God. We belong to a local church family, and God has a purpose for us there. We must first be raised with Christ to walk in the midst of life, and then second, we've got to seek heavenly purposes. Look what it says. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. What that means, friends, is we've got to be the answer to the Lord's Prayer, specifically verse 10 of Matthew 6, where we read the Lord's Prayer. We pray this. We're to be the answer to this prayer. Look what it says. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is happening in heaven right now is God is being honored and praised and lifted up by those who love Him. What is happening on heaven is needs to be happening on earth through every one of our lives. We need to be the answer to this prayer. We need to be those who say, you know what? God is first. God is greatest. God can be trusted. And I'm going to live my life to honor him, to bless him, to speak well of him. I'm not going to commit treason against the guy king of heaven. I'm not going to sin against him. No, instead, what's happening on in heaven is what I'm going to make happen on earth. I'm going to bring glory to God. I'm going to seek out this heavenly purpose. And third, and the way you do that is to set your mind on heavenly glories. Look at verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. See, we must be mindful. We've got to focus on the reality that that heaven is our home, that God is there, and he has chosen to be present with us now. And so we can experience the greatness of God. And the only way we can do that is if we are hidden in Christ. And the only way we can do that is to die to our old life and live hidden with Christ in God. Look what it says in verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And, And that's what happens when we're saved. Some of you are not saved. You say, well, what does that mean to be saved? Let me explain it to you. There are two aspects of salvation that comes through Christ alone. The first one is this, and this is the one most people hear about. This is what, what most people talk about. And the first one is this, we are forgiven. Everything we've ever done and ever will do is forgiven because of Jesus Christ. You say, what does Jesus have to do with it? Well, everything. See, when Christ died on the cross, he died as holy God. He died, and, and his death, because he had never sinned, was, was had the power to, to bring payment to those who had sinned. Because he had not sinned, he is not worthy of death. And so his death, then, is able to have a benefit to those who have sinned. Because we know, the Bible tells us, the cost of sin is death. Because of our sin, because of our sin, we are born dead to God. And if we remain separated from Jesus and God and faith, we die. There's there's real simple Bible math. This biblical worldview has biblical math, and here's how it works: born once, die twice. If you're only born physically, you will you will die physically, and then you will die spiritually forever. Here's biblical math. Also, if you're saved. If you give your life to Christ, born twice, die once. You're born physically, and then you're reborn spiritually, and you will only die once physically, and then that death will lead you into eternal life. This is the will of God, and it only happens through Christ because He gives us the two things we need for that to happen. The first one is, yes, forgiveness of sin, but we need more than that. See, it says in the Bible that the only the righteous will see the face of God. So not only must we have our sin pardoned, that is, forgiven, that is paid for, we also must become righteous. And the only way that can happen is by faith through Jesus Christ, because He lived a holy life, and because we believe in Him, we are covered in the righteousness of Christ. And that's what it's talking about in verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So that when God looks at us, He doesn't see just forgiven people, He sees those who are covered, hidden in the righteousness of Christ. And the only way we can have eternal life is to have our sin forgiven because of the death of Jesus and to have our His righteousness because of the resurrection of Jesus that now covers us and then hides us. And for those who live pursuing and delighting in this reality, you're living in light of, of what is true. See, God calls us to have a biblical worldview. that says, look, you've got to deal with the temporal, but you can delight in the eternal. So, so long as you're, you're keeping your eyes focused on the bigger picture, the broader reality. See, those that focus on what's happening above experience more of who God is, and they get to be a part of what God is doing in the world now. There's something that is said that it it aggravates me when people say it, because it's not true. It's not true. There are people that say there are Christians who are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. That's that's not true. You can never be heavenly-minded enough. See, here's the fact. Until we are heavenly minded, we are no earthly good. Because until we see the broader picture of what God is doing in the world, we're going to be putting our faith and trust in temporal things that don't last. And we'll be ignoring the eternal realities that do. Until we see heaven for what it is and the eternal for what God is doing, and see our lives in light of that eternal reality, we're never going to be in any earthly good. Look at how C.S. Lewis described it. I love this. This comes from the book Mere Christianity. He said, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. it's since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. This is a famous quote. This is so good. Aim in heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. Let me explain that. The earth is going to pass away. If your focus is on earth, not only will you not get it, but you will miss heaven. Heaven is the ultimate reality that is going to one day consume the earth heaven will come down, the old earth will be destroyed, and those who believe and those who are part of the heavenly kingdom will experience a new heaven and a new earth as heaven overcomes earth. So if you aim for earth, you will get neither. If you aim for heaven, you get both. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Get God and the eternal reality of heaven right in your mind, and you focus on that. You will experience the power of heaven and the power of God, even in this broken world. And then when this broken world comes to an end, you will experience a renewed earth and a renewed heaven forever. If we focus simply on the things of this world, we will get anxious. And you know what we'll do? We'll do what some of you are doing right now. We'll wreck our life. And some of you are wrecking your life right now. And here's why. Because you don't have your eyes on heaven. You're not being mindful of the ultimate reality. Remember, life is like driving. It's not enough that you can get, you know, your, yourself together and understand the steering wheel and the accelerator and the brakes and the, and, and the transmission of your life. It's not, it's not enough that you can, you can figure out a way to kind of get through. That, that's not enough. You've got to understand the ultimate reality of what is going on here. And the ultimate reality is that there's a big story that is unfolding that we are a part of. And we need to see this big story. And we need to choose intentionally to be a part of. You say, What is this story? It's reality. It's it's history, it's present, it's future, it's what's been, it's what's going to be. You say, What is it? It's the Bible. The Bible tells us exactly what's going on. The Bible explains exactly everything that has happened that is going to happen. We understand that God created all things to be in harmony. And we understand that there's been a fall. We understand that we now live in a broken world. And that's where some of you are living right now. This describes some of your life today. Because you're so focused on temporary things. And you just think that this temporary existence is going to provide for the eternal need of your eternal soul. And that's why you're so miserable. And that's why you keep messing up. Because you think an institution or a politician or, or a team or, or or an income level is somehow going to fix what's broken in you. And it won't do it. It won't do it. This world is broken because of sin and the fall. But Jesus... Jesus has come. This is the rescue. God has entered time and space. And He, for those who will believe, He reigns in our life. He forgives us. He gives us righteousness. And He prepares us for what is coming, the restoration. Remember what Jesus said. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's heaven. What we got to understand is is that God is also preparing us for that place. And this is where we choose to trust Him and focus on the reality of what really is going on, which is God is getting ready to make all things new. And when we live in light of that ultimate reality, our lives are blessed and we're a blessing. But here are two realities. we I'm going to write these down. I want to I I say something about them real quick. If we focus on the temporal, we miss the eternal. If we focus on the eternal, we bless the temporal. If we try to make this life and this world our purpose, we miss heaven. But we gain heaven by trusting in Christ and turning away from sin and the brokenness of this world. Let me show you what some of you guys are doing. Let me give you personal application to this. Here's what's happening. All of us know we were made to live in a right relationship with God, with ourselves, and with other people, but we're not. Instead, we're in a broken world. People hate each other, and they can't even—they don't even know why. There's there's anger, and there's 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 evil. This is a broken world. You know where that comes from? Sin you know what some of you guys are doing? You're trying to fix your brokenness with more sin. You're trying to get pleasure. You're thinking, oh, if I can just if I can just sleep with this person, or if I can just get another high, or if I can just get more power at work, or if I can just have more say, if I can just have more resources. And, and all those are good things, but when they're for your pleasure and your purpose, they, they ultimately become sin, which creates more brokenness. I'll tell you what some of you guys are doing. You're making your life worse. The things that you're choosing to do are sinful and you're making things worse. I'm going to tell you there's good news though. God loves you. God Himself came as a man. He lived a holy life. He died to pay for your sin. He will live in you if you will repent. That is, reject this, believe in him, you can now pursue and recover God's design. And as you do that, you will see life in a whole new way. Specifically, you will see your pain in a whole new way. Pain is a terrible thing. and every single one of us in this room, we've had pain, we have pain now, we will suffer in the future. And if you're not able to see life from heaven's perspective, that pain that pain's going to make you worse. That pain's going to rob you. But if you can see your pain in the proper perspective, that is, from the view of heaven and what God is doing in the world, it'll become a blessing to you. This week, not intentionally, I don't know why, it's providence of God. I've been studying the life of Joseph. It seems like he's shown up every day in my devotion. I read, I read five devotion books each day, and I, and I study four scriptures each day in my time alone with God, just me and him. And each day, something about Joseph has popped up. You know, Joseph, he had a rough life. His family turned against him. His job turned against him. He became a slave. He was mistreated. Good things happened, too. He had some abilities. And and ultimately, there were there were blessings that came, but there was a lot of pain. Some of you are in the middle of your pain right now. You're you're kind of in that point where your family is turned against you, or friends are turned against you, or relationship didn't work out, or work didn't work out, or your health is failing. You you feel in bondage to something or someone. You're trapped in suffering. If you can see this from the right perspective, you'll understand the blessing that it is. See, Joseph was later able to understand it. Tim Keller, in his devotion book on the Psalms, he wrote this, If Joseph hadn't been betrayed, sold, and imprisoned for years, he never would have escaped his own deadly character flaws and never would have been able to redeem his own family. Here's what you need to understand about your pain. It's a part of God's plan, first of all, to, to escape your own deadly character flaws. Some of you, all of us, I should say, we have sin, we have issues in our lives. And the only way that those issues are going to be resolved is through suffering. God is going to burn it away, or He's going to cut it off, and it's going to hurt. And this is grace. God is going to allow pain to bless us. But more than that, He's going to allow our pain to to be a blessing to others. See, Joseph never could have been a blessing to not only himself, but his family who, who were famished and under the famine. He would have never been able to bless them had he not suffered. Had He not gone through the difficulty He went through, God used it to bring healing. And listen to this, not just to His life, not just to His family, but to the whole world. Because God had determined that He was going to bring salvation, that is, Jesus Christ, through this family. So He had to suffer so that salvation could come to the world. Here's what I want you to understand. Your pain has a purpose, if you can see it, from the vantage of heaven. If you can focus on heaven, here's what you can understand about your hurt and your pain. God's using it to prepare you for heaven, to conform you to the image of His Son. Let me tell you what else He's doing. God will use your suffering and pain as an advertisement to those who know you that your God is good, that your faith is real, And that there is an abiding strength that comes because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that you will actually be able to help others see, if you can see your pain from the vantage of of heaven, you're able to say, you know what, God has a plan for this. God has a plan for my cancer, for my marital discord, for my problem with my child or my parents or my friends. God has a a plan for this bankruptcy or for my financial downturn or or for my loss of health. God has a plan for this. I don't understand it, but I'm not looking at the temporal to define my existence. I'm looking to God. And because I am seeing the eternal in in my reality, I can see the temporal for what it is, it is passing away. But right now, I have this moment to be able to trust God in it. Is that what you're doing? Are you able to see your life from an eternal perspective? The only way you can do that, seriously, is by faith in Jesus Christ. Because He is the only one who gives you access to that heaven. And if you have not been saved, you need to be today, right now some of you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. You are saved, but you're very unhappy and you're miserable. You're hurting, and here's why. The reason why you're so miserable is because you put your trust in a temporary thing that's not working out. You said, I will be happy if, and you filled in the blank with a created thing. But if I lose it, I'm going to be miserable. And the reason why some of you are miserable is because the temporary thing is doing what the temporary thing always does. It always goes away. It always fails. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear me. You need to right now tell God. I have been looking to this temporary thing to be my reason for living, my reason for smiling, my reason for getting up in the morning, and it will not work. I need you to be my reason. You are my purpose. You are my hope. You are my strength. And if you will tell that to him, and if you will live with that perspective, it will change your life. Now, here's some good news, guys. There are times when God chooses not to change our circumstance chooses only to change us through a perspective of faith but you know what there are times when God will answer our prayers and change the circumstance last Friday a little girl there's another little girl in Vanderbilt her name is Shelby please continue to pray for her there was another little girl who was told she had an injury and it was going to change the direction of her life for the next year she went back to the doctor on Friday, and the doctor said, we can see no signs of what existed in that, that x-ray just seven days before. We can see some nerve damage where something was broken, but now everything is fine. There is nothing broken, and we have no other explanation. And all God's people said, ooh, ooh, we know why. Because God in prayer. He doesn't always heal what is broken immediately. Sometimes God wants us to have broken bones and broken relationships and broken broken things, temporary things, so we won't trust in them. And we can have faith. Sometimes he actually heals. Sometimes he actually changes it. But that is because of faith and prayer. And this morning, I want to invite you to exercise your faith by prayer. And if you need a miracle, come ask God for it. Get on your knees and say, God, if if you would, please change this. If not, let me see it from an eternal perspective and know that you want to bless me through this pain so that I can be a blessing. Either way, you're God. I'm good. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Stand together. as we pray. Father, right now we're going to sing of your mercy, and there are many who, who today need to come and pray to you, some because they need salvation. They need for their sin to be forgiven and for you to give them your righteousness so that they can live in light of the hope of heaven forever. There's some who are here today, Lord God, and they're mad or they're frustrated or they're sad or they're, they're, they're disappointed or anxious because they're trusting in a temporary thing that cannot provide for their eternal soul. And they know it. Maybe that thing has failed them. So they need their identity, they need their hope, they need their purpose now to be defined by you. So God, hear them as they come to you to ask for your help. And for God, for those who do miracles, may we trust you for them, and may you do them simply because you can, and for our blessing that we might be a blessing to others. So as we sing of this mercy, O God, hear the prayers of those who come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.